turn with me. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 4 through 6 today. We're talking about first things. Last week we talked about first place, about the fact that we don't have God first place in our lives. The scripture says, the first commandment says that we are to have no things before God. So we talked about things that are above God. We talked about things that come alongside in our relationship. And when we talk about things that we just allow to get into our mind and take up space. In other words, they, they convolute our priorities. And so when we're thinking about these things and when we're looking at our lives, there's nothing. We need to take away all aspects of things that we place before God. So we we're talking about first place. Today, we're going to be talking about first person, okay? What I mean by that, when we look at these verses, we're going to be talking about the personhood of Christ Jesus through this Old Testament scripture. It says this, You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath and water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but shoving, showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So when I'm talking about first person, we're talking about God, and we're talking about the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're talking about fidelity. That's the word that we're talking about. What does it mean to have fidelity? Does anybody know? What does fidelity mean? Being faithful, all right? So it's a, it's a faithfulness. So when you're talking about a marriage relationship and we're talking about living and taking each other as husband and wife till death do us part, that's a fidelity thing, is it not? And so when we talk about that, we're talking about putting things together that are meant to stay together. So when we have a relationship with God, when we follow his commandments, when we are a follower of Christ Jesus in the New Testament uh, and in the Old Testament as followers of God as the, as the people here were in this day, and, and excuse me, in that day. So when we're followers of God, then he has, he is, we're following the personhood of God. Now, is God a person? God is what? Spirit, all right? So God is spirit. So when the Son comes, the Son came in what form? Flesh. Come in, came in flesh. So when we're talking about all this, in the Old Testament, they're looking at this as fidelity to God, the Spirit of God, the holiness of God. And then now in New Testament in the church, we're talking about this in the first person as the personage of Christ Jesus. So in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, we were looking at this. He said, we shall love the Lord your God. Last week, we looked at all of our heart, which was the emotional aspect. So today, what we're looking at is we shall love the Lord your God with all your soul. So when the second thing, the second commandment deals with our soul relationship with God, that is a spiritual relationship. So in other words, people that are in this world are not going to have this relationship with God at all. So they're not going to understand this aspect of what we're talking about. So when we're talking about the personhood of God, the personhood of Christ Jesus, and when we're talking about the Trinity, there's, they're, they're just not going to get this. And the reason being is because they don't have any understanding of what it means to, to follow God. So they don't have this spiritual aspect in their life. If we don't have this spiritual aspect in our life, then everything else is being uh, filled by the physical. And so that's why there's so much failure in the world today, because sin is in the world. So there's failure in the world, morally, ethically, integrity, honor, honesty, all the things that the world uh, thinks that we can evolve and become better at, we're actually what? Getting what? Worse at, aren't we? 
We're actually getting worse at these things. And it's because there's that spiritual void that's in this world and in the hearts of those who are in the world. So as us as followers, there's something that is different. Does everybody grasp this? There's supposed to be something that's different about your life. This is it. This is the spiritual aspect of who we are. It is our soul, which is eternal, and we have a relationship with God the Father, all right? And so when he says that we're to have no idols, nothing that we can make or nothing that is formed in this world by God that we put before him, we talked about before him yeah, first place last week, so now we're talking about this person. So we're talking about a relationship. Now I want you to think about this. The closest thing that we have to this spiritual relationship on this side of heaven is marriage. So I'm going to use that example, okay? So you go and you get married, but then you tell your spouse, well, I'm going to do the same things I was doing before I ever got married. So if that's a guy, then you're going to put hunting before your wife. Are you going to put fishing before your wife? Are you going to put golfing before your wife? You're going to put bowling before your wife. If it's not athletics, you're going to put, you know, gaming before your wife. You know, whatever it is. You put that in, the, in, the, in that place. When you put that in that place, it breaks the relationship between you and your spouse. Are you getting this? So when we talked last week about our emotional, the heart, when we emotionally allow other things to get between us and God, it breaks the personal relationship that we have with the Father. Woo, the light's going off there. This is why the world is in the place that the world is in is because it has allowed everything to get between it and God in the place aspect, the emotional aspect, and now spiritually in the soul it's broken the personal relationship that we can have with our Creator. And so the world wanders lost aimlessly trying to fill this... There's a great song back in the 90s by a group called Plum, by the way, if you want to go look it up. It's, the, the song is God-Shaped Hole. There's, it's been in movies and all this kind of stuff too as well. Uh, but it's, it's basically the song says that there's a God-shaped hole in every single one of us. And so if you don't feel that with God, you're going to try to feel that with what? Stuff. We try to fill it with drugs. We try to fill it with sex. We try to fill it with pleasures. We try to fill it with money. We try to fill it with whatever. Whatever it is. You know, we just dump it into this hole. But I want to tell you, the only thing that can fill that hole is who? God. Why? Because it's a soul hole, and the only person that can fill our soul is God. And so it's a God-sized hole. It is that big that none of the stuff that we stick in it is ever going to fix it. And so it's a continual dump. It is a bottomless pit when we try to put things in it in this world when it's actually made and formed for God. So this is what sets us apart from all other creatures is that we have a soul. I know you love your dog. I know you love your cat. And I'm not getting in your business here. But you are created with a soul. All right? And so they are a created thing. I'm not telling you that they won't be in heaven. Examples of them or parts of them or thing, you know, animals in heaven. I'm not saying your cat's going. You know what I mean? But, but what I am trying to say is this. Is that creation, they were created. That's going to be there, right? Creation is going to be made whole. And then, but the reality is, is that you and I... We're the soul beings. That's what God created that has a soul, all right? Whew, I'm 
sorry I didn't want to call your dog heartless or whatever, but you know, I didn't want to get too deep there. So, if there's this God-shaped hole that's in every single one of us, and it needs to be filled and can only be filled by God, then that's what worship is. Does everybody get that? That's what this is. This is a spiritual, personal connection that you come to on a weekly, hopefully, as, as a congregation, but hopefully on a daily basis, so that you can connect with the person of Christ Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit, and God himself, the Spirit of God, so that we can have a relationship. That relationship starts vertically and then is formed there and is, is actually uh, expresses itself horizontally. So it is formed vertically and expresses itself horizontally. So how in the world, if we don't have a soul spiritual relationship with God in the vertical, can we ever be the proper example that we need to be to those who are around us horizontally? We can't. It is impossible. So if we come here this morning as an exercise, because it's a routine, it's a box that we check, it, it's something where we think that we can come in and come out and not be spiritually effective, then we have missed the whole point. The whole point is to worship. These ladies were worshiping this morning. Did you see that this morning? I mean, that not only were they singing these songs, but these songs were affecting them. There was a worshipful aspect. That was not a performance. All right? I know that you think you do, but you don't pay me to preach. You pray, you pay me, all right? You pay me to, to serve. That's the way I look at it. The preaching aspect, that's something I get to do from God. And so we look for preachers in churches, and we've missed the point. The point is, is we need to find people who will serve others that have a relationship with God and then extend that out horizontally, and that's the connection that builds a congregation. All right? So we're not looking for great communicators. We're looking for people of God who will serve his people, and then they, they preach and, and the other stuff that goes, goes alongside of that. All right, so as us as followers of Christ, I'm a worshiper, just like you're a worshiper. And in, on Sunday mornings, I'm just kind of like should be the lead worshiper. I should be the person on Sunday mornings that helps lead you into worship with God. Does that make sense? All right, so here's two things I want you to see. As the lead worshiper this morning, and talking about the personages of, of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and the Son, Jesus Christ, and our fidelity to Him, we need to worship in the presence of God, not an image. He tells us here, nothing in, that is in what is in heaven above or, or the earth beneath or the water underneath it, you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children. Oh, God, this is where it gets pretty tough right here, all right? How many of you know an alcoholic whose father's an alcoholic? None, is that all? How many of you know a drug addict whose parents were drug addicts? All right? What I'm trying to say here is this. When the hole is there, 
and it's a God-sized hole, and we don't fill it with God, we fill it with all kinds of stuff. It says here that the iniquities of the fathers, of the parents, can be passed on to the children. And how many generations does it say? Three or four generations before you see the effect of that. Now, if you wanted to think about this for a second, in the world today, when less and less people are becoming, you know, they say that our, our culture is very spiritual. But the reality is, is that we're not spiritual towards God. People don't like Christians. We're, we're last. It's okay to be Muslim right now. It's cool to be Hindu right now. And any other, any other faith that you can have, it's okay. You're allowed to worship in that way, shape, form, or fashion. And our country's going to try to honor it. But in Christianity, that ain't happening. Why do you think that that, that is so? Because of the truth. That's right. And then also, Scripture says this. That in the end times, we're in the end times. The age of the church... After Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, that's the end times. So for thousands of years, we've lived in the age of the church, which is the end epoch. How long is it going to last? I have no idea. All right, He will come back like a thief in the night is what it says. But we need to realize that we live in that age and in that day. And in that age and in that day, the world is not going to be kind to those who are followers of Christ. And, and, get this. Just like the Jews in the Old Testament, God holds believers to a higher standard. So some of what we get is from the world. We get persecution from the world. Some of what we get is God calling us out because we are called out. We are His people. And if we're not going to live to that standard, then... We're going to deal with God on that, all right? So, if we do live to that standard, how long does the blessings come out? What's it say? How many generations? Three or four? No. It says more than that, doesn't it? How long does it say? It says the blessings from God can come out how long? The loving kindness is thousands. Do you notice the difference there? God makes a promise to Abraham. We are all sons and daughters of Abraham, right? My father Abraham has many sons, many sons. You know, y'all done it, right? Y'all want to do it with me up here? And we'll just do all the, all the stuff. All right. Have you not now ever done that before? Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Whew. That's good. I thought I was just y'all thought I was dancing in church. I might fire me or something. All right. So the old song has many sons. We're generationally way all of us have come through that promise every single one of us thousands upon thousands upon thousands alright so the iniquity the sin when you try to fill that hole that can affect you and it can affect those who come after you for multiple generations but for the blessings that come from God the loving kindness that comes from God that can be multiplied out thousands of generations just like we sit here today and we honor veterans those who have served. Think about the fact if we would have lost, if they had not gone, if we had not found favor in the hands of God. There's a TV show 
that's uh, that's on Netflix or something right now. One of those. It's about that, isn't it? It's about if the Nazis had won. Has anybody ever seen that show? What's it called? High Castle? The High Castle or something like that? It's about that. It's about basically what happened to our country if the country, if we would have lost and, and, and they had taken over here. So they occupy it. It's all about that. And so it tells, tells the story from that angle. Here, I mean, that's extremely difficult for us to think about, is it not? Extremely difficult. Because it's completely different. But God has had his hands on us. Why is that? Because why? Because we have been followers of him. If our nation no longer follows him, then who's to say that we can't end up like the rest of the world? We Not just because we're Americans, is that, that it gives us the reason to be um, the greatest nation in the world. It's because the hand of God. It's because God's presence. Exodus 3, 4 through 6 says this. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Do you see how he does that there? He's showing that lineage of faithfulness and the, the lineage of also the promise that he made to Abraham and then to his son and then to his son. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So here's God. M Moses is there receiving what? What is he up there uh, he's on the burning bush? He's receiving a word from God. God. He's in God's presence. Now I want you to think about us today in God's presence. Do we have the same um, reverence? For God's presence is what Moses is displaying here. No. Why? Because we think on a Sunday morning, on a weekly basis, we come and we're just, we're in God's presence. No big deal. There's a holiness to God. A holiness, a, a reverence and an awe was always displayed in the Old Testament. We don't have a reverence and an awe anymore. So we come flippantly in. There's no reverence for God. There's no awe of God either. They always thought and knew that when the tent was there, God was in the tent. But he was always in their what? In their presence that way. When they wandered around in the wilderness, he was with them. He fed them daily. But even in that case, there was a routine, right? So there's a routine. All, and so what they do, they said, man, this is manna. We're tired of eating bread every day. So what did he start doing then? What did he do? <laughs> yep. The birds came at night, right, in the evening so that there would be meat. We were constantly, wait, we need water. Moses, go over here, strike this rock. You know, we need, we, we've taken us out of our homeland. We were, all, we were slaves, but we were comfortable being slaves. Yeah. This is what we do. And if we did it then, why don't we do it now? We do do it now. We come into church. And, you know, we might pick our wallet and we say, well, this is what I got today. This is what God gets for me. And I'm not just saying by what's in our wallet that that's what we put in the offering plate. I'm saying 
in our presence, this is what he gets today. I'm telling you that if we came to church with a reverence and an awe and an expectation to see God move, God would move in our midst. I have no doubt about that. Why? Because he is a God of promise. He is who, this is what he's asking us to do. Nothing before me. No idols. When you walk through that door, this is holy ground. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13 says this, And so he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. These mountains are breaking apart. He's inside one of them, remember? He's in a cave. So the wind's blowing in such a way, God's presence in such a way, that this place is falling apart, is shaken. He's inside of it. So what does he do? And after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And what that means is, is that, the, the, that God hadn't revealed himself personally to him in that way. And after the fire, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fi uh, fire, a sound of a what? Gentle blowing. So Elijah's inside of this. this. This whole place is shaken. He's inside of a mountain during an earthquake. Yep, that's the place you want to be. And when he heard it, he wrapped his face and in his mantle, and he went and he stood at the entrance of the cave. <clears throat> fire, rocks crashing, and what does he hear? A gentle blowing breeze. And that's when he knew that the Lord was there. And in a voice that came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? You see... We worship in the presence of God. This is a holy place. It's not holy because of this building. It's not holy because of you. It's holy because of the presence of God. How do we know the presence of God is here? He said, where two or more are gathered in his name, he is in their midst. God is here in this place today. The power of God is in this place today. And your mountains that need to be moved may not be physical mountains, like the shaking that we could go out and look into the range behind us and see the Appalachian shake, but rather things that you cannot overcome, things that you have dumped in the hole where God is supposed to be, all the things that are leaving you empty. Or like last week when we talked, you may be a believer and a follower, but you've allowed all these things to come alongside. You've allowed all these things to run interference between you and God. And your relationship has been broken. If that's the case, we come in and out and miss the, miss the presence of God. Thus, we don't worship. Second thing I want you to see is, not only do we worship in the presence of God, we worship through the presence of God. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that this is not an experience. This is not a show. This is not a performance. This is not about talent. This is about truth. This is about trust. 
This is about relationships. This is about community. This is about fidelity. This is about fellowship. See, it's about all those bonds that the world doesn't have. It's about all those bonds that are missing right now in people's lives. See, when we worship through and we realize that this is not just some experience, something that takes place at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings in certain places all across the United States, then it becomes an ongoing thing. We worship through this. In other words, we come here and we worship in the presence of God. Two or more gathered together, His presence is here. Then when we walk out of here, we're by ourselves again. How many of you have ever sat alone in the house going, God, where are you? Nobody's ever done that, right? None of y'all. Y'all have a cool relationship with God. I do that all the time. I'm like, Lord, where are you? This is going on in my life. I'm in the midst of this. You see, worship does not stop at 12 o'clock. not something where we come to be entertained or to be a part of something for an hour. If it is, then we've missed the whole point. We miss the grasp of this spiritually. This is a refueling station. This is your spiritual gas pump. That's what this is. This is the place where we come each Sunday to be fed. Now, message boards on the front of churches are always really cool, right? They have some of the corniest things you've ever seen in your life, right? Missing one week makes one week. That's truth. Missing one week makes one week. Missing one month. That's apathy. (laughs) Missing a year. That's out of fellowship. That's right. So I I want you to think about this. I want you to think about all your close relationships that you have. Tamara calls, I think, all everybody that she knows and loves on the way home from work every day. She gets in the car at 5.15 by the time she gets out of the out from work and she has a 45-minute drive home. And I don't think that, you know, she's there by herself. She's talking. She calls me every day. And if Delaney's not working, she calls Delaney. If her mama's, you know, she may not call her mom every day, but she calls her mom probably two or three times a week on the way home. Everybody gets a, do y'all not get phone calls on the way home from tomorrow? She communicates in some way, shape, or form to those who are close to her every day. Every day. Me and Clay been at home for the whole weekend. I think we talked to each other for about five minutes. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> You're like, man, we got told to nobody. This is great. I just turned on downstairs the TV. I watched like football for like nine hours yesterday and talked to a soul. 
See, guys think that, that we can get away with that. You know, we can just go go all this time without communicating. There's no way we build a relationship being out of connection and out of touch, not communicating with God. If we if we don't have a relationship with Him, then how are we going to have relationships with each other? Let's go back to the spousal race relationships. Ephesians chapter 5 says that for a man, his relationship with his wife is found in his relationship with Christ. Yikes. You got a broken relationship with Christ. As a male, Scripture says that you got a broken relationship with your spouse. And that we're supposed to... He's supposed to treat his wife as Christ treated the church, which was to lay down his life and to die for the church. So are you kidding what I'm talking about? Reverence and awe is gone. So now relationally, we have no deep connections. And we're alone. People in the world are alone. The suicide rates are going through the roof. They don't put all this stuff out. But people go and take their life. Why? Because their life is menial. Why is life menial? Because we decide who lives and who doesn't. If you think you're too old and you want to go take a shot and end it, you can go do that in certain places. If you think that you didn't want to have this child, but you wanted to have what brought the child in, that was all good, that was pleasurable for you, but then you don't want the child, you don't have to go have the child. We've demeaned life. We bully people online. They take their life. And there's all kinds of stuff like this that goes on. Why is that? Because relationally, we have degraded it. Why have we relationally degraded our horizontal relationships with those who are around us? Because we don't have a vertical relationship with the person of God. We come in, we come out of church or anything. But we're not in His presence. Because we're not in His presence, there's no presence of God through us. First things, priorities. This is why these are the first commandments. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. Everything else flows out of it. Do you, do you not understand this as well? When God tells us the fruits of the Spirit, what's the first fruit of the Spirit? What's the first one? It's okay. It's four letters. begins with an L. Love. Do you realize that all the rest of the fruit flows out of love? Without love, you don't have joy and peace. You don't have self-control, gentleness, kindness. There's order to this. So we can't allow things to get above God or alongside of God. We must re re remain fidelity or have a, have a relationship with our Creator. So we can't allow images or anything to become a substitute for that because it's a God-sized hole that's in us. Isaiah 6. This is actually 1 through 7, Clay told me. I have typos every week in this. Y'all just don't catch them, right? Apparently I'm really bad about putting the right verses in. Isaiah 6, 1 through 7 says this, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, 
lofty and exalted, with a train, his robe filling the temple, seraphim above him, and each having six wings. With two they covered his with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Do you get that? That's symbolic right there. That's reverence and all right there. What did he tell Moses? Take your shoes off, because you're in the presence of God. You're standing on holy ground. Here's this creature that's worshiping the Lord, and what's he doing? He's covering his face, can't look on God. Both of these men that we saw right here, Elijah and Moses, were just in the presence of God, and it was overwhelming. Moses had to come down off the, off the mountain when he'd be in the presence of God, and what? Put a bag over his face, and it here he passes by you can't look upon God so here he is he's covered up with his eyes and then covering up his feet which is the symbolism of that holiness and one called out to another and said holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory let me just everybody realize this is an oral culture in an oral culture during that day to repeat something three times was the height of it so when you see in Scripture, holy, 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 in an oral culture, that was like, here, wake up, I'm getting your attention to the height of viability. So when the Lord says, verily, verily, and he repeats things to us, or truly, truly, depending on your translation, and, the, and when that's written that way in, in uh, the Gospels, that's, wake up, I'm telling you something here. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the thresholds trembled. And the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim, seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand she had taken from the altar with tongs and he, he touched my mouth with it and behold this has touched your lips your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven that's an awesome picture isn't it is that what it's like for you every Sunday no you're going I gotta go listen to Tim this week I haven't seen I haven't been there in two or three weeks I gotta suck it up and go see Tim in the church go listen to that for an hour we don't have that, do we? Do you come in thinking, God, this is a place where I get to exchange the sin and wreckage of my life and be cleansed so that I can walk out and be holy in his midst again because I was in the presence of God, not the presence of Tim? The presence of God. And how about on the flip side of this? As the one who stands up here, this isn't a show. That's the word. That is truth. It's not to be dealt with lightly. And though I make jokes and do all kinds of stuff, I, that's serious stuff. This is not a game. It's not any of that. The last one is John, verse, John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and is now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshiper. God is spirit, 
and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Though we do not see him, he is here. And though sometimes we don't honor him, he is faithful to us. And because of what Christ has done to pay for our sins, we are to worship him. We're to worship him in spirit, our spirit, connecting with the Holy Spirit, filling the hole, the void, by accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. Filling that emptiness that nothing in this world can ever fill. Nothing. Nothing. And then we worship him in that spirit and in truth. Do not lie to God. Don't lie to God. How do we do that? Look, go off, go off cuff right here. Golly, it's already 12 o'clock. I won't, will y'all give me two minutes? All right. Hang with me for a second. I want to close with this because this to me brings hope. Go to 1 John, your Bibles, if you want to follow me. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God is spirit. The second thing that we see here is that God is light. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You cannot be a worshiper of God and lie. How do we lie? We walk in the darkness. We do evil. We do the wrong thing. But if we walk in the light when he is in the light and have fellowship with one another... There it is, fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Then we are repentant before God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We, we, lie, to, we lie to our own self. What I'm doing is not a sin. What she's doing is a sin. What he's doing is a sin. But what I'm doing, that's not a sin. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's three lies right there. We lie to others, we lie to ourselves, and we lie to God. Every single bit of it right there. This is all about a relationship. You cannot like me still be in fellowship with God. That's okay. You can be in fellowship with each other. Do you realize that? It's okay. I may not be your favorite preacher at Mount Salem in the history of this church, or even presently now. <laughs> That's okay. Don't break fellowship with God because of a dislike of an individual. That doesn't hurt the individual. It hurts you. And then you start lying to yourself, to others, and eventually to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I've kept you long enough. Father, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the blessings of life. I thank you for the goodness, the grace, the promise. Father, we thank you for your mercy. I thank you for everybody that came to this place today. Because why? Because they were brought here by you. 
Father, we're drawn here by your spirit to hear your word. Your word is truth. We're to worship you in spirit and truth. I pray that right now, as we sing this song, that their spirit is connecting with you through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that your truth, your word, what you have to say to them through the Holy Spirit, will speak to their hearts. I pray that you will heal people that are broken. I pray that people will confess the things that are between them and God. Lord, it's all these things, I pray, in the presence and power of Christ Jesus. And we all stand in awe and reverence of you. Amen. Let's stand.